Hello, and welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob, and I will be your host and comrade this evening. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about a handful of things. Um, North and South Korea have been exchanging warning shots along the disputed sea boundary, um, which was a good reason for it to be disputed. Um, it kind of veers north. I'll, <clears throat> I'll show you when we talk about it more in depth. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk uh, about a specific part of President Xi's speech at the 20th National Congress of the Communist Party of China. Um, he's going to, or he's, he's kind of putting into no uncertain terms um, China's return to socialism, um, rejuvenating the country for the well-being of the people and for the long-term stability of the party and China. Uh, there's protests all over Europe, um, the Czech Republic, um, Berlin, Prague. I said the Czech Republic. I didn't have to say Prague. Paris, um, still. Um, and these are all, some of these are in solidarity with, uh, Iranian protests, um, calling for an end to Iran's, uh, authoritarian regime. Um, but there's also a lot of them that are specifically devoted to the cost of living, the energy crisis. Uh, well, I guess wages would be part of the cost of living, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, uh, participation in NATO is another big, rallying point. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Iran protests, uh, Romania, uh, we're going to talk about Biden's student loan forgiveness, um, being cut down before it even began. Um, we're going to talk about a U.S. general warning that the U.S. could lose a war with China, let alone, you know, China and Russia. Um, speaking of which, we're going to follow that immediately um, with an article about uh, the U.S. Navy sending cruisers into, um, well, maybe not into, but near uh, Chinese waters in the Taiwan Strait. Um, we're going to be talking about the progressives. Some of them finally grew a spine and said that Ukraine should agree to peace talks with Russia, um, rather than sending them more arms. But then Pelosi reaffirmed U.S. support for Ukraine, quote, until victory is won and ended her speech with Slava Ukraini. So we'll be talking about that, of course. Um... And then NATO and Russia tensions, uh, with all of this shit going on, um, NATO and Russia are doing nuclear exercises. Um, yeah, 
these were not scheduled, you know, due to the Ukrainian conflict, but the fact that they're going to be simulating war in a situation that's tense is concerning. Um, we're going to be talking about a case that the U.S. Supreme Court will be seeing um, that could very well give companies power to sue over strikes. I don't want to give too much away, but that's that's going to be a pretty big dive tonight. Um, and then there is... Um, there was two gay men that were attacked in hate crimes in a refugee camp in, uh, in Kenya, um, which apparently UN, the UN said that they're going to boost security for the LGBT plus refugees after this arson attack. So, I mean, you know, at least, uh, at least something is being done. Uh, one of the men has died. Um, we're going to dive pretty deep into that, uh, as well. There is an Arizona Republican candidate on, on the ballot who was arrested for masturbating in front of a preschool. He's still on the ballot. Um... There's kind of a lot to unpack there. He claims that he didn't realize that he was in front of a preschool, but, like, how do you not? Who just, like, pulls over somewhere and beats off in their car to begin with? But, like, how do you not realize that you're in front of a preschool? I don't know. Um, I th think that's about all I have for this week, so I guess we'll take it from the top. Uh, let's keep it local first. We can talk about <clears throat> Biden's um, student loan forgiveness. Um, so it is going to be seen by the U.S. Court of Appeals. Um, I'll just read this article. How about that? Um, about 40 million Americans with student debt are now in limbo following an appeals court stay, stay on Friday that put a halt, uh, for now, to President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. Already 22 million people have applied to the program designed to forgive as much as $20,000 in student debt per borrower since the application went live earlier this month. But on Friday, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a temporary stay in response to an emergency motion brought by attorneys for several Republican-led states. The ruling has prompted questions about what the stay means for borrowers, especially those who have already applied for debt relief, and what may happen next as legal challenges unfold. The court's roadblock may increase financial anxiety for borrowers, especially as the student debt repayment hi hiatus instituted during the pandemic, expires in December. That means repayments begin again in January. Um, it's such a roller coaster for borrowers emotionally, noted Laurel Taylor, CEO of Candidly, a student debt and savings service. Even, show, even so, she said, the best thing borrowers can do for themselves now is apply um, and then prepare for the worst case scenario, which is repayments beginning on January 1st. 
On Monday, the Biden administration said in a response that the states had failed to prove they would be hurt by the debt relief program, according to USA Today. It also argued that any limitation to the program should be handed down in the states that are suing, which would impact about 2.8 million people with student loans, as opposed to the 22 million that have applied or the 40 million that have student debt. Um, so here is what I was looking for. Um, a, a lower court had ruled uh, that the GOP, GOP states lacked standing. In their appeal of that lower court ruling, the plaintiffs, which include Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, South Carolina, and Arkansas, said the forgiveness program will irreparably harm their state student loan programs. The stay is based on the merits of the case, but allows for further briefings on the issues. So basically what this means is that a small handful of extreme right-wing politicians can, you know, every time that the government does agree to do something, however small for the people, because that's another thing, right? This is a very small, empty gesture at the end of the day. You're forgiving some of the interest that's already accrued, but you're not, you're not really forgiving debt. Um, so it's not really costing the nation anything. Um, and it's just another example that whenever we win some sort of meaningful reform, no matter how small it is, they can just take it right back away. Usually it happens over a, a longer period of time for bigger programs, but still the end result is the same. Um, you know, Social Security was supposed to be a meaningful safety net and it's been stripped, right? Medicare has been stripped. Um, and we've seen more and more privatization of our healthcare system. This is no different. No different at all. Um, yeah, anyway, that's basically all I wanted to touch on on student loan forgiveness, right? Is that every time that our government gives us a pittance, um, then they can just take it away whenever they see fit or whenever, in this case, a small percentage of the population sees fit. Um, all right. Moving to a more... Actually, no, I'll keep it with the U.S. for now. Keep it all together. Uh, Republican Randy Kaufman from Arizona... Um, was caught with his pants down in front of Wurtzie's Preschool and Child Care Center in Tempe, Arizona. An officer found the GOP candidate parked outside with several children in plain sight. The preschool is located on the Rio Salado College campus. Records say when the officer approached his car, his pants were pulled down to the middle of his thighs and he was manipulating his genitals in a masturbatory manner. According to the New York Post, the cop approached him asking seriously, and then he responded, I'm sorry, I, fu I fucked up. I'm really stressed. How does stress explain pulling over on the side of the road in front of a preschool and masturbating? 
Who the fuck does that? He claims that he was out shopping for building materials and didn't even realize that he'd pulled over in front of children to relieve himself. They were in plain sight. Again, how do you not notice? Um, I mean, I can't help but wonder if the dude's a pedophile. Seriously. Um, anyway, he is a Trump-supporting MAGA Republican candidate for Maricopa County uh, College Board, arrested for masturbating in his pickup truck across the street from a preschool. Um, I guess so much for the party of family values. Um, I see a couple more people have joined us. Thank you. Um, you're more than welcome to join in the comments if you have anything to say uh, about anything that we're talking about, or if there's something that I don't know about that you think that we should talk about tonight, just let me know. Um... So then he tried to use his connections to avoid an arrest. He told the cop, can I say something off the record? I know Officer Jim Hill. He works with you guys, and I'm running for the governing board of the colleges. I didn't even know this was one of your sites, but now I see the signs all over the parking lot. Wow. On Tuesday, he suspended his campaign for... Uh, masturbating to interracial porn in front of a preschool. Although he is no longer running, there is still technically a chance he could still win the election. According to local news station CBS3, the ballots with his name on them have already been mailed to residents for the fast-approaching election. For now, the only way for him to be disqualified is if he formally withdraws, not just simply suspending his campaign. Um, so this is, this is from a tweet, um, Randy Kaufman an Arizona GOP candidate and avid Trump supporter who wanted to protect children from progressives has been arrested for masturbating near a preschool where, ch where, ch where children, oh my God, <laughs> were playing outside. I, um, I'm kind of at a loss of words on that, to be honest. Like, how the fuck? Give me just one second here. Um, okay, so the other U <clears throat> excuse me, the other U.S. story that we have for tonight is the Supreme Court is hearing a case that could give companies power to sue, presumably for damages, over strikes. I don't think I have to really dive too deep into this to explain to you why that's terrifying. They're going to claim that every dollar that they lost is was stolen from them by the strikers, when in reality, the people striking were making them that money to begin with. Right. I'm not going to dive into the whole 
uh, labor theory of value for you right now. But without those workers, the owners would be making nothing. And now they're going to try to punish the workers for withholding their power. Um, this seems like it would be something straight out of a playbook from uh, 1920s Italy or 1930s Germany. I, I mean, like, not to be dramatic, but for real, this is the kind of um, crackdown that both of those countries saw in their respective eras when fascism rose to power. In fact, there are 14 warning signs of fascism posted in the uh, Holocaust Memorial Museum. I'm not going to go through that tonight because we actually have quite a lot to cover as it is. Um, but if you would like to look that up and, um, you know, see how many of those boxes are already checked here, uh, it's pretty much all of them. Anyway, um, so the U.S. Supreme Court appears set to deliver on another longstanding conservative policy goal uh, in its first major labor law case this term with a ruling that could hobbles work, hobble workers' rights to strike amid a resurgence of worker organizing and a cost-of-living crisis. Yes, it is a, a cost-of-living crisis. And that's exactly why there is a resurgence in worker organizing. Um, the justices decided on October 4th to consider whether businesses can sue unions in state court for the economic consequences of strikes and other employee protests like spoiled products. So, um, I, I mean, they worded it as a ruling that could hobble workers' right, rights to strike, but... I feel like that's very understated still. I mean, it's not hobbling it. It's taking it away. I mean, sure, you might not get a prison sentence for striking until they bring back debtors prisons because workers aren't going to be able to pay those damages. Um that sort of labor dispute is a special category of legal action that the National Labor Relations Board has maintained original exclusive jurisdiction over for nearly 65 years under a Supreme Court precedent dating back to 1959. The right to strike, including the attendant financial harms, is protected by the National Labor Relations Act. So, I guess just to interject right here, we were just talking, or I was just talking about student loan forgiveness and how as soon as we got some little pittance thrown our way, it got taken away. This is a, one of those more long-term examples that I was talking about. The National Labor Relations Act um, was the first real labor law in the United States that defended workers. Um, and then, you know, we are seeing that literally being stripped away before our eyes by an unelected group of mostly white old men. Um, anyway, the statute responded to a turbulent history in U.S. labor relations, including violent suppression of workers by corporations and the government. 
It essentially erected a national structure to equalize the tremendous power imbalance between employers and employees, primarily by making worker organizing, collective bargaining, and strikes legally protected activities. That said, the right isn't without limitations. Conduct clearly outside the scope of a peaceful work stoppage can lose the act's protection, such as uh, they never, you know, like codified the protection of wildcat strikes um, is a pretty good example there. Uh, And workers are required to take reasonable precautions to protect employers' property from foreseeable harm. Um. The dispute taken up by the Supreme Court arose from a strike by Teamsters Local 174, a union of truck drivers for Glacier Northwest, Inc. in Washington State, which does business as Cal Portland. The company bills itself as the largest producer of building materials in the western U.S. Lawyers for Glacier didn't respond to requests for comment. Of course they didn't. Representatives of Local 174 declined to comment publicly because of the pending litigation. The petition is backed by corporate groups seeking new and potentially expansive powers to recoup money from unions for financial harms incidental to labor activity. It's also supported by conservative groups like the Landmark Legal Foundation, one of the leading organizations behind the school choice movement, Uh, for expanding religious education, and an opponent of teachers' unions since the 1990s. The question in the case uh, pretends to an unprecedented ruling that could expose unions to costly litigation for previously routine activities, blunting their most powerful bargaining tool for improving workers' pay and benefits during a time of significant labor strife. There have been at least 316 strikes so far, so far in 2022, up from 257 in 2021, according to the Labor Action Tracker Project at the Cornell University School of Industrial and Labor Relations. At least 200, at least 240 company-owned Starbucks Corp locations have unionized in roughly the past year. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, I... I don't think that it's right that the Supreme Court is even hearing this case. Um, They are not elected positions. They're there for life. They are so far removed from the masses. And I mean, let's be honest, have they ever had to strike to be able to pay their bills? Probably not. Um, I would say that that is a vast overreach of authority of the Supreme Court. And, um, well, the timing is of no coincidence at all. Uh, we're in the midst of a cost of living crisis. Uh, we're well into a recession. And, uh, the Federal Reserve wants to see wages go down. They openly stated that. This is one way that the government can get wages down. Anyway, moving outside of the U.S. Um, North and South Korea exchanged warning shots along the disputed sea uh, boundary called the Northern Limit Line. Um, I am actually going to screen share this so I can show you. 
um, why North Korea disputes this line. All right. So you see where the, uh, the demarcation line and demilitarized zone is on land. Right, which roughly cuts the Korean Peninsula in half. Roughly. But then, as the northern limit line goes out to sea, it cuts north. And as you see, there are several potential port areas in here that are, you know, not accessible from the Korean Bay. Um, so, I mean, they... they do typically challenge this border often. Um, anyway, it was like 3.42 a.m. local time, and it was a merchant ship. Um, North Korea... Uh, said its coastal defense units responded by firing 10 rounds of artillery warning shots near its territorial waters. Um, it accused a South Korean naval ship of intruding into North Korean waters on the pretext of cracking down on an unidentified ship. Um, there were no reports of fighting, which is good. Um, but I just wanted to... Uh, point out that the Korean War did not end in 1953. In fact, they're operating under a temporary armistice still to this day, almost 70 years after the fact. Um, yeah. There's not too much to say about this, honestly. It's, um, it's wild. I mean, the South is basically a puppet government for the United States. Um, the South has been unwilling to come back to the negotiating table. Um, I mean, they know what, what North Korea's demands are, and they're not willing to even compromise. And that's why talks stalled out in 1953. That's why talks have not continued in good faith yet to this day. Oh, I see. I have some comments here. How did I miss all of this? James was late. Uh, yeah, James, I think that that uh, GOP candidate is probably a weird pervert. Yeah. <laughs> whacking in public is bad enough whacking in front of the preschool teaches kids bad habits I mean I, I seriously like have concerns that the dude's a pedophile I mean seriously who whoever could make that mistake and I see that Natalie agrees um Totally agree, James. Time to end the two-party system.
Yes, exactly, Natalie. Our government loves the people so much, let's cut wages. All right. Okay, back to the um, stories, I suppose. I think that's enough about Korea, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure that all of you have at least a basic understanding of the Korean War. Um, you know, we got involved to stop the spread of godless communism or whatever. And uh, the war was never officially ended Um the South had the complete backing of the U.S. That's why we were there. That's why there's Korean War vets. Um, and that continues to this day. All right, that's my rundown of that. Moving on. Um, President Xi of China um, said on Sunday that China must strive to build a modern socialist country in all respects under the rule of law. Uh, he said, quote, we must give better play to the role of the rule of law in consolidating foundations, ensuring stable expectations, and delivering long-term benefits. The comprehensive advancement of law-based governance has been a profound revolution in China's governance. Law-based governance is important for the party's success in governing and rejuvenating the country for the well-being of the people and for the long-term stability of the party and China. We must follow a path of socialist rule of law with Chinese characteristics, de develop a Chinese system of socialist rule of law, and establish China as a socialist country under the rule of law. We must, with a focus on protecting and promoting social fairness and justice, pursue coordinated progress in law-based governance, law-based exercise of state power, and law-based government administration and take integrated steps to build a country, government, and society based on the rule of law. <clears throat> uh, he stressed improving the socialist legal system with Chinese characteristics with the Constitution at its core, steadily advancing law-based government administration, ensuring strict and impartial administration of justice, and stepping up efforts to establish the rule of law throughout society. Um, efforts will be made to better implement the Constitution and conduct, conduct, I said, I, I emphasize that weird, constitutional oversight and step up legislation in key emerging and foreign related fields. Um, he basically, he made it a whole point to say that the socialist system uh, will make a 100% comeback by the um, centenary, um, which would be 2049, which is pushed back from what he had uh, originally been saying about 2040, but that was also prior to COVID. Um, so they, and they want to do that through you know, like actual law-based governance. Um, so that way they can hold party members accountable if something doesn't go right. Um, and, you know, the goal is to rejuvenate the country for the well-being of the people. Um, 
Obviously, there are plenty of criticisms to have of China, um, especially pertaining to the market reforms of the 80s. Um, but I can completely understand why Xi has been chosen for a third five-year term, um, even if the capitalist media is acting like that is somehow president for life. That is that is not. He's been in power for 10 years. It's not for life. Um, second, that decision... They make it sound like it wasn't democratic because that decision wasn't really made at the party congress. No, it's far more democratic than that. Um, these decisions are made at the neighborhood level and then come up through the different levels of the party. The, this decision was made months ago. This is just the formal acknowledgement of it. That's like trying to say that, uh, you know, the U.S. election doesn't officially happen until the Senate conf confirms the vote. That's not how this fucking works. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you're right, though, James. If, uh, you know, Facebook keeps fucking with people, we can watch it elsewhere. We're on YouTube. Um, it's not live this way, but we're on... Uh, podcast platforms we distribute through anchors so we're on spotify we're on apple podcasts we're on google podcasts um you can go to forwearemany.org um you can keep up with us that way um and we're also on youtube twitch twitter um yeah so if you're one of the people that is not a big fan of facebook by all means join us on other social media Uh, moving on from China. Um, Iran is protesting against European intervention and in internal affairs. Um, this is not the correct... Article. Hold on just one second. Um, okay, here we go. So I, I guess I'm going to expand on that um, for a minute. Um, it's no longer just Iran. There has been um, solidarity protests in Berlin, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, Paris, um, and a bunch of other places across Europe. Um, showing international support for demonstrators facing a violent government crackdown in Iran, sparked by the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini in the custody of that country's morality police. On the U.S. National Mall, thousands of women and men of all ages wearing green, wet, uh, green, white, and red, the colors of the flag of Iran, shouted in rhythm, be scared, be scared, we are one in this, before marching to the White House, chanting, say her name, 
Masa. Um, the demonstrations put together by grassroots organizers from around the U.S. drew uh, Iranians from across the D.C. area, with some traveling down from Toronto to join the crowd. Um, okay, so Iran's security forces have dispersed gatherings in that country with live ammunition and tear gas, killing over 200 people, including teenage girls, according to human rights groups. Um, and of course, you know, the Biden administration is talking about sanctions. It's all they know how to do. Um, that being said, I guess I don't really have a good answer for it either, uh, for how to handle it. But the point is, it's not America. So we should not send weapons. Um, it kind of just talks about the protests in Berlin. Uh, the German police estimated several, several tens of thousands turned out to show solidarity for the women and activists leading the movement for the past few weeks in Iran. The protests in Germany's capital organized by the woman asterisk, asterisk live freedom collective Life Freedom Collective, sorry, um, began at the Victory Column in Berlin's Tiergarten Park and continued as a march through central Berlin. Um, an Iranian who lives in the Netherlands that traveled to Berlin for the protest said, it is so important for us to be here, to be the voice of the people of Iran who are killed on the streets. And this is not a protest anymore. This is a revolution in Iran, and the people of the world have to see it. Um, give me just one second here. Women, life, freedom. A rallying cry that is only growing stronger as protests in Iran enter their sixth week. Sparked by the death of 22-year-old Masa Jina Amini, who died in the custody of Iran's notorious morality police in September. But as the regime intensifies its brutal and deadly crackdown on protesters, it's also scrambling to control the narrative jailing at least 40 journalists since protests first began, according to the CPJ. These are just estimation. I'm sure the correct tally is over 400. Several of the cases of these journalists that we have covered, as soon as they reported about those um, news on their Twitter channels, the next day they were arrested. And just walk me, walk me through the tactics being used by the Iranian how are journalists being repressed? Security forces usually raid the homes of journalists after midnight in order to create an environment of scare and fear. They usually transfer these journalists immediately to solitary confinement. In most cases, they don't let the journalists have access to lawyer. Much of Iran's media is under state control, with journalists who reject the state's narrative facing harsh penalties. 
among them Nilofar Hamadi, one of the first journalists to break the story of Amani's death in Iranian media. We know that uh, Nilofar Hamadi has been, been held in uh, solitary confinement. Here in London, journalists at the pro-reform news outlet Iran Wire, which has been working with CNN to cover the ongoing protests, are meticulously documenting the detention of journalists in Iran. One of them needs to be confirmed. It's a growing list, with a concerning lack of clarity on where many of these journalists are being held. Among them are citizen journalists, bravely documenting the regime's crackdown on their phones and on social media. So for us, citizen journalists inside the country are the most important colleagues we have. And without them, we would not be able to uh, operate. These are the peoples who risk their lives in order to report. With internet blackouts being used by the Iranian authorities as a tool to stem the spread of information, the role of journalists on the ground bearing witness to atrocities perpetrated by the Iranian regime is growing more important and more dangerous. Neda Bashir, CNN. London. Of course, excuse the CNN coverage that we gave you there, but um, point is that is a, a big situation. As they said, the security forces have killed well over 200. Uh, those are just like confirmed, though, um, and groups on the ground there tend to believe that the number is actually over 400. Um, that is disturbing to state to say the least um but even still they are not giving up they are carrying on um a real show of people power i think um Romanians are protesting the cost of living in the latest European action. Several thousand protesters in Romania joined an anti-poverty march Thursday in the capital to express dismay over the rising cost of living, marketing, marking the latest protest in Europe over high prices um, and pay that workers say has not kept pace with inflation. Um, so... We talked last week about the the general strike in France, um, which I mean there was tens of thousands of people involved with that as well. Um, but you know the the prime minister said it's time it's it's time to go back to work. Uh, yay. Um, but that being said, um, according to the interior ministry, over a hundred thousand people marched Tuesday in multiple protests in multiple French cities. Thousands also took to the streets Sunday to march against rising prices. That's the protest that we covered. Oh no, that was this Sunday. Okay. The Sunday before that is the one that we had covered previously. We knew the general strike was happening, but it hadn't happened yet. Um, we are demanding an increase in salaries everywhere in all jobs and all professions because we now find ourselves with employees who are underpaid in relation to the cost of living. 
And that, that's the same. The reason that I circled back to that, even though we were talking about Romania, is because it's the same situation. And it's not just Europe. Um, the U.S. Federal Reserve is quickly dragging um, pretty much the whole globe into a recession with its uh, constant aggressive rate hikes um, on interest, right? Um, inflation is at a record high in uh, Romania. Um The National Trade Union Confederation president. No. It doesn't say who it is. But it, anyway, uh, this is a quote from the National Trade Union Confederation. Uh, the, the cost of energy, food, and other essentials are spiraling to levels that send millions of workers into poverty. Um, it appears that we are having some sort of Facebook issue, which is weird because it's showing as streaming. Let me take a look at it real quick. Um, damn it. I apologize, you guys. It says that we're live. Couldn't play video. Something went wrong. Huh. All right. Um, thank you, James, for confirming Twitch is good. Um, I can't get it to load on my phone either, so it's not Natalie, it's not Trisha. It is, in fact, Facebook. So I am going to find out if YouTube is working. YouTube is working. I would tend to agree with you there, James. I guess that explains why our uh, Facebook viewership went down to zero, even though, you know, Natalie and Trisha are still commenting in there, and so is James. Um, let me get that YouTube link to drop in the comments, because what the fuck? All right, if you are still trying to watch on Facebook, click that link. You obviously wouldn't hear that, though. Anyway, um, many protesters jeered, honked horns, and some, some waved Romania's blue, yellow, and red flag. They demanded that the government increase salaries and pen pensions and enact price controls to counter the cost of living crisis. The Anti-Poverty March, uh, this is the leader of Cartel Alpha, which is part of the 
National Trade Union Confederation. Um, their leader said, quote, the anti-poverty march is an awareness march for the political class related to the necessity for them to take decisions regarding the situation the population is facing. The impoverishment of the people due to inflation and the lowering of the living standards comes from the lack of decisions and reforms in the energy sector. The union said officials, uh, economists, and bankers have taken measures that put even more pressure on citizens by raising interest rates, just like we're doing here. The Federal Reserve is setting the fucking stage. Um, while energy companies have record profits, and it's the same thing here. Why do you think American uh, oil companies are still so concerned about uh, the the energy crisis in Europe to the point where they're skyrocketing our energy prices so they can make record profits? They're just overcharging everybody because they can. Um, it added that, quote, fair wages and pensions... Um, affordable bills, enough food, and a decent home are not luxuries. They are our rights. I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, similar protests over inflation have erupted around uh, Europe in recent months, including in France on Tuesday, uh, where, where hundreds of thousands of workers took to the streets nationwide demanding wage, hike wage hikes to match rising costs. People in places like the Czech Republic, Germany, Sweden, and the United Kingdom also have protested in recent months calling for similar demands. Um, I don't know, maybe it isn't the case in Romania, but a lot of these countries have also uh, been protesting their government's involvement with NATO. Uh, you know, just something else to keep in mind there. Um, over the weekend, protests filled the streets of Paris, Paris, Berlin, and Prague with some shouting, leave NATO, or our country first, according to media reports, which analysts said hinted at a deeper crisis that Europe is now facing. Um... They're holding Frexit signs in France. The protesters also denounced NATO warmongering and economic disruption linked to the sanctions of the EU, that the EU imposed on Russia over the Ukraine crisis. Similar scenes occurred in countries such as Germany, Czech, and Moldova. Um, supporters of the far-right Alternative for Germany party gathered in front of Berlin's Reichstag building on Saturday to protest rising prices in the country. So it's taking a very populist hinge. Yeah, glad to see you back, Natalie. Yeah, I don't know. I never got a notification on Facebook saying that the stream was down or that we were being punished or anything, but the viewership dropped to zero. Um... And when I tried to load it on my phone, it wouldn't load there either. I'm not going to blame James. I mean, Facebook has had it out for us since day one. Give me just one second again. 
Okay. I love the group chat now because I know Trisha was trying to get Facebook to work and she thought it was her service that wasn't loading and it wasn't. Um, exactly, James. The whole damn world is tired, but they're afraid to take a nap because they're scared to wake back up because they never know what they will be faced with. I mean, all I know is that all over the world we need to, like, take the power back. This is getting absurd. Um, we'll be getting to tensions with Russia and China here soon, but that's uh, a tough topic to keep talking about. I mean, you know, like, the end of the Cold War was supposed to be the end of all this saber-rattling, but yet the U.S. has been at war with multiple countries for my literal entire life. Um, in Prague, they are calling attention to it's most of the country's major trade unions organized the demonstration, calling attention to inflation and declining living standards in the Czech Republic. Um, Demonstrations against the government in Moldova have been going on for more than a month. Uh, Europe is facing rising populism, and the sanctions against Russia have deeply hurt livelihoods, which will further exacerbate populism and become a bigger systemic crisis. Um, a Paris-based Chinese scholar told the Global Times, uh, Times on Monday... Quote, the public demand for livelihoods will be used by far-right parties and local elections, posing a threat to the overall European political system. Um, which, I mean, parts of Europe have been in an extreme rightward jeff ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, that's how Putin came to power, for example. Um and this is just the beginning. The policies of the EU and NATO are not evolving in a direction that could help solve the problem, but Western countries continue fanning the flames on the crisis, leading to a vicious cycle. Now it's the energy crisis. Next, it's the security crisis, which will uh, continue causing public panic. Um... I guess now on to China. China has said the United States was trying to disrupt peace in the Taiwan Strait. After two warships sailed through the waters between the mainland and what Beijing regards as a rogue province and what Washington dubbed as a routine drill. Um... After this event during the weekend, Chinese troops have been reportedly placed under high alert and mobilized in another episode following the visit of U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taipei, which was the first of a series of controversial presences in the island. Um, the spokesman for the Chinese Army Eastern Command uh, said troops remain on high alert and are ready at any time to thwart any provocation.
Um, also, it's interesting that earlier this year, Biden said that he agrees with the one China policy, but somehow also backs Taiwan. So wouldn't that mean that Pelosi went to China to meet with an illegitimate government that was only recognized on a global scale because the U.S. recognized it? Um... Yeah, anyway, so with tensions heating up in China, Pelosi is reaffirming U.S. Uh, that's not the one that I meant to click. That's next. Uh, general Jack Keane is a retired U.S. general, joined America's Newsroom on Fox News on Monday to discuss the national security risks as tensions grow with China and why the U.S. needs to wake up to the reality that America lose a war. Um, it's only a four-minute video. Let's try this. Warning that China could be planning to make a move on Taiwan. Oh, hold on. Oh, I did have the audio shared. Okay. One very soon, maybe even within weeks, this would be in line with comments just days ago from the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, saying China is speeding up its timeline for an invasion. Let's bring in Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee and also a former Green Beret commander. Congressman, the comments come from Admiral Michael Gilday, who's the Chief of Naval Operations, saying that either... U.S. Naval Chief warning that China could what? be planning to make a move on Taiwan very soon, maybe even within. U.S. Naval Chief warning that China could be planning to Why? make a move on Taiwan. Most analysts and reporting still believe that the real win. window is 2027 to 2030 uh when seriously z uh could make a military move in taiwan he's told his military to be prepared to stop the united states from intervening by 2027 but there are other analysts and i think this is what uh this is what the chief of the navy was echoing that say Z is speeding up. He wants this done on his watch, uh, that he has his own internal problems in the Chinese economy. Dictators uh, and authoritarians love to distract from those problems with an external crisis. We're seeing that in, in Ukraine as well. But the other pieces, John, are that Taiwan has elections in 2024. Of course, the United States does in, in 2024. And right now, the U.S. military is on a decline as it tries to recover from the last uh, 20 years of Middle East wars, and then as it tries to modernize, so that Z may see a real window there politically, internationally, and with uh, the U.S. military.
Yeah, she uh, just uh, recently got through the 20th Communist Party Congress, where he won a third right. and unprecedented term. Here's what he said at the Congress about Taiwan. Quote, resolving the Taiwan question is a matter for the Chinese, a matter that must be resolved by the Chinese. We will continue to strive for peaceful reunification with the greatest sincerity and utmost effort, but we will never promise to renounce the use of force, and we reserve the option of taking all measures necessary. Two messages there. One was, we will do whatever it takes to bring China back into the fold, and U.S., keep your nose out of it. No, that's right. Xi has essentially told his military to prepare for war, uh, that they are going to take Taiwan one way or another, uh, and he's going to, he's, he's almost 70 years old. He's going to do it on his watch. That's the next 10 years. Bottom line, John, is we're running out of time. And why does this matter? Well, if he takes Taiwan, he'll control about 50% of global GDP because he will be able to control the trade and the shipping uh, into Japan, South Korea, mm -hmm. uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, you know, all of East Asia, not to mention about 90% of the world's uh, computer chips. So this is absolutely in our interest to stop this from happening, unlike what happened in Ukraine where we did not deter Russia. We need to stop this from happening. We need to arm up Taiwan. We need to bring our supply chains back home because a key part of China's strategy is to choke off things yep. like our pharmaceuticals, our antibiotics, uh, the key ingredients for electric batteries uh, to deter us from getting involved. And I think we need uh, you know, our own military buildup and our own clarity that we will uh, defend mm -hmm. Taiwan uh, on the front line of democracy, on the front line of freedom around the world. The so this will be a major step towards Xi's vision of becoming the global superpower. He also told his Congress that they're not going to be a superpower on his watch. They're going they're to be, be the superpower the and replace the United States and the American dream with the China dream. That's so, not that's not a world I want our kids and grandkids growing I, up I, in. I, I want to get one quick question in here because you mentioned sure. U.S. troops being on the front lines of defending Taiwan. The Centers for Strategic and International Studies gamed that out, and here's what they found would happen, that the U.S. probably would keep Taiwan out of Chinese hands, but it would come at the cost of 500 to 900 U.S. aircraft, 20 surface ships, two aircraft carriers, and high casualties. If China tries to take Taiwan by force, do you have any doubt that the U.S. will go to war with China? John, we have to be ready. We have to prevent it in the first place. A global oh war God. over Taiwan will be devastating for our economy and the global economy, and there will, Americans will die. Uh, and I'm not sure that we will prevail. All right. That's not a good, that's not a comforting thought. Uh, Congressman Michael yeah. Waltz, thanks we, for joining we, us. We have to do more, John, and we have to do it fast. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate your thoughts. So that wasn't even the, the general that was quoted in the article, so that's interesting. Um, Yeah, that's very odd. Oh, oh, that's because it was the wrong video. I'm not going to make you watch another one, but this general also said that, that Xi is the most malicious Chinese leader since Mao. Anyway, um, there's no doubt that he has the authority He's the most malicious, aggressive, and ambitious leader that they've had since Mao Zedong. And because his focus is not just internal like Mao's was, 
It's also external. No, it's not. Taiwan is China. Um, and wants to be the world's global leader, in a sense. He's considerably more ambitious. I think that the headwinds he has with, uh, with the economy and um, the, the CCP, it's not the CCP. It's not the Chinese Communist Party. It is the Communist Party of China, or CPC. Um, survival, the very regime survival to the fact that people in China have hope for a better life for their children is the basic premise. And China, the CPC, works very hard to make sure of that. That certainly is one of the Achilles heels that is putting pressure on him. But I believe he's going to move forward on those, uh, despite those concerns, and he is going to confront the world. He's going to confront the United States. And we've got to wake up and take this seriously. The fact is, um, oh, we're still sitting on our hands too much. The fact is we don't have an effective mi military deterrence now, and we've got to move quickly to shore up that problem. We could lose a war with China, and we've got to wake up to that reality. Okay, but we already spend four or five times what China does. And China's military budget includes their policing. We spend almost as much on police as they spend on all of it. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, with the end of the year right around the corner, we're going to see more and more requests to increase the military budget. If that happens, of course, we will continue to write um, about these military budgets and where the fuck is this money actually going? What purpose does this actually serve? We're not about to go to fucking war with China. Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, we actually might be about to, but we need to stand against that at any cost. As James just said, worry about your worry about our own grass. Um, 30 lawmakers in the House of Representatives called for the U.S. to hold direct talks with Russia to negotiate a peace in Ukraine. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today that U.S. support for Ukraine will continue until victory is won, uh, which is an implicit rebuke of progressive lawmakers who just a day earlier pushed the White House to talk with Russia. Under President Biden, our support for Ukraine, for Ukraine and our determination to defend democracy is here to stay until victory is won. Slava Ukraini. Uh, she also went on to praise uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky's courageous and patriotic leadership. What democracy? They banned all their left-wing parties. They banned any press that didn't agree with their narrative. Um, there's not a semblance of democracy there. Then when... When regions of the country vote to rejoin Russia, which they originally were anyway, right? All of, all of Ukraine. Um, you know, like, that's, that's a rigged election. But elections when, you know, most of the parties are not allowed on the ballot or not allowed in debates or not allowed at the table, anything. Um. A letter 
was written by 30 House progressive lawmakers to President Joe Biden. Um, the letter didn't pump, uh, didn't threaten future aid, but the lawmakers urging of a proactive diplomatic push for talks with Russia caught many by surprise. Well, I mean, Russia has been saying that they're willing to come to the negotiation table pretty much since day one, and neither the U.S. nor Ukraine is willing to accept any of Russia's demands, and they're not willing to give up any of theirs. So, I mean, just like we were talking about the refusal to reach across the aisle in Korea earlier, it's, it's much the same situation. And then on top of this, NATO and Russia are holding uh, long-planned exercises of nuclear forces. Um, the fact that they're still doing it with tensions as high as they are is concerning. Um, yeah. Uh, James, I don't know who the Green Party candidates in your area are. I meant to talk about the midterms today. I don't really have time to look it up while I'm already on the air, especially this close to the end of the show. But um, I, I think that we can all agree that voting red or blue is not going to create any sort of change. And I mean, honestly, the Greens and even the Libertarians are blocked from ballot access in so many places through so many means that shouldn't even be legal. Um, I'm never going to argue against voting for a third party. Um, that being said, I do think that the way to enact real change, uh, given the political stranglehold that the two parties have on our, uh, electoral system, I think that we have to build our own, <laughs> to, to put it overly shortly. Um, anyway... NATO and Russia are set to separately hold long-planned exercises of their nuclear forces at a time of huge tension as Russia continues its war on Ukraine. Actually, is this video going to work? It's only a 23-second video, but it's, it's less I have to read, so I'm going to do it. Russia and NATO both expected to hold separate exercises related to nuclear forces. This video shows the yearly drills of Russia's military defense system. It's believed that Russia will hold the drills by the end of the month and NATO begins its exercises tomorrow. Now, typically, the drills include ballistic missile launches and deployment of strategic assets without any live warheads being used or transported. So that's supposed to make us all feel better, right? They're not going to use live warheads. Um, this is a difficult thing to really even talk about. Um, but there was two uh here we go two gay men were burned in a refugee camp 
attack in Kenya. Um, and one of them ended up passing away. But a press release um, from the Minnesota-based Black Immigrant Collective sent to the Washington Blade uh, last week uh, noted that petrol bombs were thrown into a group of LGBTQ refugees, allies, and their children who live in Block 13 of the Kakuma refugee camp on the morning of March 15th. This... <coughs> this attack not only set people on fire, but also destroyed beddings, personal belongings, as many of the refugees sleep in the open air. Um, the press release also notes the men who are described as organizers suffered second-degree burns throughout their bodies. Um, a human rights activist named Gilbert Kagarura, I'm sure I butchered that, uh, a human rights activist and refugee from Uganda who lives in Block 13 on Tuesday sent the Blade a series of pictures of the two men that show burns on their arms, legs, and other parts of their bodies. Shifra, an 18-year-old refugee who also lives in Block 13 on March 24th, during a virtual press conference, the Black Immigrant Collective and other adv advocacy groups and human rights activists in the U.S., Kenya, and elsewhere around the world uh, organized recalled the attacks. Um, Shifra said, I thought we were all going to die. Every day I relive this horrible experience that I have. Um, the UN Refugee Agency notes that it organized the men's transfer to a hospital, a town that is roughly, uh, in a town that is roughly 75 miles away from the camp, um, where one of them, uh, unfortunately passed away. But the silver lining, if you want to call it that, is that the UN is boosting security for LGBT refugees after the deadly arson attack. Um, the 32-year-old Ugandan died on Monday. What's the date? Oh, no, okay, so it's still from last year. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, the other man is expected to be discharged soon, so already has been, obviously. Um, we will do our best to support the investigation. Additional security is being deployed. Psychological support is available, and our teams are on the ground and are available to help in this difficult moment. Um we need to put an end to these kind of hate crimes, like in general. Um, there's also been a pretty vocal um, wave of hate against uh, people of color and people of other sexual orientations um, here in the States over the last couple of years. So this is not a uniquely, it's definitely not uniquely an African problem. Um, and these attacks happened for no other reason than that the men were gay. That's it. We cannot allow the world that we live in to be that kind of place. Um, 
Anyway, uh, we're coming up on an hour and a half. I don't think that I have anything else to discuss tonight. Um, we will finally be putting the United Panther Movement's eight-week course on our website as we go through it. It will be starting over this Saturday. Um, obviously, it will it will be aired live probably on their pages. Um, but we will be recording it. They will be putting it on their YouTube. We will be putting it on ours. We're going to put it on our website. Um, you know, we're going to put uh, a, the presentation that we're going to use um, in there as well. Um, and notes. We're going to put notes in there as well. So um, if anybody uh, is interested in joining the United Panther Movement, or just taking the political education class uh, course just because, um, you know, keep your eyes out for that. That'll be, once again, that'll be Saturday. Um, it might end up being Sunday before I get it posted on our website, but regardless, it'll be there. And uh, every Saturday after that, um, yes, Bread Theory, well, technically, it's left signal boost, right? Or no, no, he does do it on the Bread Theory Twitch, doesn't he? Um, yeah, Bread Theory is going to be doing the spooky karaoke. Um, I believe that is this Friday. Um, head over to the Left Signal Boost TV page um, or the Bread Theory pages. Um, You'll find more information about it there. Basically, if you want to join, let Zach know. He'll add you to the chat, and um, you know, you'll you'll kind of be walked through how uh, the process worked. Um, it's a little tricky because it's over the internet. Uh, James, I will be working, so no, <laughs> no, unfortunately, I will not be singing. Um, we're also working on trying to schedule a Q and a, uh, actually probably more than one Q and a one that's supposed to be for our Patreon, but we froze Patreon payments for the month because, well, we've not been great at living up to our promises. So we're going to do a public one, but we're also working on scheduling, um, Q and a's with, uh, Kwame, uh, that background's not going to let that work. None. Okay. So uh, Kwame Shakur, hi Thurman. They just um, did their West Coast book tour. Um, hopefully with the East Coast coming soon. Um, you can find on our website our piece about, um, actually I can drop the link right in the comments here. Give me just a second. Um, we put together a website post to promote the book tour. Um, and that is it. There we go. Um, if you want to support us, you can make donations on our website. There's a donate button right on the side. You can become a patron. You won't be charged for October or November. Because we're trying to get our shit properly in a row. 
Um, if you have any suggestions for a movie watch along this month, um, you know, give us some suggestions. Um, anyway, until next time, it's been real. And I hope you all have a wonderful night.